to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution Podcast. You're listening to another midweek episode, and we have a little bit of a change of format this week. Oh, my name is Caleb, by the way, and I am sitting here on a call with my dear friend and pastor of the uh, Minneapolis installation of Revolution Church, Brian Odland. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello, Caleb. Good to see you, my friend. You too, my friend. I don't see you near as often as I did when we were both living in the great state of Minnesota, and that is kind of a bummer to me because you're a very close friend of mine. I know. I'm, I miss your face. So does my family. Yeah. You got a sweet little daughter, Ava. Love her very much. She is such a little... She's hilarious, man. And of course, your yes, awesome wife, is. Amanda. We've done a Meet Your Congregation with you before, and people probably can hear um, sermons or talks that you've given for Revolution in our podcast feed as well, so people can go back and listen to those if they want more Brian in their life. And they can also listen to you weekly as we we, we do post. I I, uh, help you a little bit with it when we post the um, podcast versions of the talks that you give weekly at the same location that uh, that Jay and I were operating out of back in, in Minneapolis at Bryant Lake Bowl. And so how's, how's that? How's that been going, man? It's going pretty well. Um, everything with the pandemic, you know, is what it is. And so when you guys left to go to Seattle, and I should say to people who are listening, I I was attending Revolution um, Church, you know, in Minneapolis. Right. Um, off and on, you know, since Jay moved here. Mm. And, you know, after you guys said you were going to move, I was like, hey, I'll take it over. And then, you know, with the pandemic and everything, um, no one really met anywhere in, in bars or anything. And then just through a series of um, contact people, um, Jay was f- um, very nice to give me some people's names and emails from Bryant Lake Bowl. He reached out to that it was his contact person. And uh, so we were just in this back and forth um conversation with each other and then finally probably sometime in mid-february um we kind of just booked the time to hang out and it's it's fast you know it's already mid almost mid-may so we've been meeting there for about two two months a little over two months and yeah 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 you know it's it's jay can attest you know doing revolution in person sometimes it's harder to do it in person because obviously we get more people that um, will either watch on our Facebook feed um, or, you know, um, we'll go after it's up on Facebook and, and on the podcast, but it's going well. It's just, it's fun to walk into a bar slash bowling alley slash theater and bringing all my gear and setting up and, you know, getting weird looks and realizing like this is church that we're doing in here. So it's really cool. And everyone's been really, really nice from the managers to the wait staff, to the bar backs. And so, yeah, just excited to be there and, 
bringing all that good stuff. That's great, man. I'm a little bit jealous that you all are able to meet, to have in-person services. That's really great. I can't wait until we can do that as well here uh, in, in Seattle. Um, are you seeing mostly familiar faces, like people names that I would know from, from when we were uh, also running out of there? It's been kind of the same same um, group of people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Curtis, Vicky. Um, we've had a couple people kind of stop in afterward. Like, what's yeah, what's this? Um, you have a lot of the people who are like, oh, um, you're not Jay. Mm-hmm, and it's like, mm-hmm, no. Mm-hmm. And somehow I got lost in translation that you guys left um, right and and i'm here but i i think we'll see more of an uptick once things open up more fully like our governor just said this past couple days ago that um because minnesota is the number one state in the country for people getting vaccinated so shout out to minnesota. oh that's great i didn't know that we already have like two and a half million people in our state that got fully vaccinated wow um that's so great. he's hoping that by you know july 1st that you know, everything can open 100% back to normal. So fingers crossed that more people are wanting to get out, um, out of their homes, out of everything Mm. to do that. So fingers crossed that there's more people, more guests or visitors or, you know, whatever. So that's great. It's kind of an interesting transition. Obviously we, we had been meeting there weekly when Jay and I were still living in Minneapolis, you know, we've been planning to just resume kind of trying to get back to normal once, um, quarantine kind of calmed down, but then we never, we never started meeting again under Jay at that same location. So I could see how people would kind of be assuming that if something is going on in that time slot, especially if it's called revolution, you know, that it's, it's the, it would be Jay's face up there, but it's really cool because, you know, I don't know if any two people in revolution have identical theologies or worldviews, but it was, it's really cool that, that it could be kind of passed along to you. You know, you're no, you were no stranger, especially to the people who, who go there in person because it's such a tight knit group, which is kind of a nice way of saying, you know, it is a small turnout, unfortunately, a lot of the times, but that's just kind of, that's just kind of the nature of the beast, especially there in Minneapolis where you're one of many progressive church options but uh it's really cool that it could be passed on to someone who's already in the family and you and i had been collaborating anyways on a gathering called the sacred collective that jay used to refer to as the sister church so it's cool that it, that it could be kind of passed along to someone who's already who has a passion for ministry whose ministry and efforts with all that had already been affiliated with revolution so that's really cool uh someone someone cut from a similar cloth as it were. Uh, and, and just for the listeners who aren't familiar with you, you have your doctorate and master's, you went to seminary, you have a background in ministry, you had been trying to get ordinated by the, the United Church of Christ, and this just kind of came along, which is really cool because we don't have to go into it, but like your, your prospects there uh, had kind of changed and you weren't sure if, if the same plans that you had there were going to be able to actually come all the way to fruition. So uh, it just kind of, it was the timing of it all was, was really pretty perfect, you know, because I was really bummed out at the thought that this group of people, this kind of family, as I saw it, would no longer, you know, it, it's hard to make up excuses and to even follow through with plans to see people when, you know, we were all from a widespread area in Minnesota. I know some of the, the congregants were traveling, you know, like 45 minutes or so to come to services. So it's really cool that that you all still have like that weekly kind of excuse to keep seeing all those familiar faces. We should shout out Curtis Hanna, uh, who's been kind of helping you get things rolling 
you have some support there with uh you know what, what was the name that he came up with uh the the team the transition team yeah the transition team and that's actually uh pretty cool because it, it was actually at your guys's going away party that never really happened <laughs> that we didn't go to we weren't able to yeah that was really a bummer man because it was like a quarantine thing that you guys had to do yeah but kind of there that was already cat out of the bag that i was going to take over and so mm. it was curtis and rachel um and Amanda, who kind of said, like, let's just start talking about this. And I mean, we're not, we're not, um, um, what am I trying to say? 501c nonprofit yet. Just because right. we're so, we're so, I, I look at it as I want to try this for like a year, see how it goes. I'm not saying that it's not going to go well, but, you know, I'm, uh, you know, and I said to the congregation, all the money that, you know, we make that if, P- and I'm not going to say tithe, like donate, um, it's gonna go. It's not even gonna go into my pockets. It's going back into the church, Great. Uh, going back into the ministry. So it'll be mostly for paying for you know our rent. Um, also, like right. if we have like a get together, um, a couple people from the congregation, especially with all the protests that have happened, and mm. you know anybody who lives who hasn't lived under a rock knows everything that's happened yeah. in the Twin Cities. You know, we're trying to find things of like how we the big push from the congregants are um wanting to get out there and doing things let's like let's just not talk this talk let's actually go out there and live it yeah um and look because like you said i mean there's conservative there's you know more liberal progressive there's queer people who are a part of this and there's not one person that has the same theology and that's fine but what we can come to in agreement is you know um the love and acceptance and inclusion Mm. and grace for everyone so we're you know we're trying to do that and and i'll say later to something that curtis and i are working on um too um, oh cool to try to raise funds but i'll tell that can come up later in the conversation okay. probably yeah remember so. and we can we can bring, bring that up in plugs or something we'll do that's great man i was kind of wondering if you in your mind i don't know if anyone's um asked you to do this before but if if, if you have kind of a a thesis statement about about like what your sermons and what you what your passion is that like what they kind of all point to or if they have like um, a common thread that kind of keeps popping up. Um, if you can't think of anything, I, I know I can probably think of a couple of things that I know because I edit all your talks and so I hear all your sermons. Um, and you know, I, I heard you speak, of course, the times that you filled in for Jay at Revolution. And also at the the small group sacred collective meetings, and well, we should also say if people are looking for your sermons, they're currently being posted in the sacred collective podcast feed. So they would search for sacred collective podcast; it pops up right away in any uh, podcast player. But yeah, I was wondering if what would you say that your like Jay's the grace guy, obviously. You know, right. can you see any common thread? Like, what what would you say to any listeners is kind of your passion that kind of pops up in in a lot of your talks? Yeah, I, to try to say my thesis, it's kind of hard because, um, and yes, Jay is the grace guy, and like a lot of his sermons are on that, and that's great. But in my training, you know, in two different denominations that I was going through ordination for, um, it's never really been like you. You might have something that you're more passionate about, or that you kind of have this bent. You know, like there's a lot of pastors who might speak at a, at a church and, you know, they'll have their bent on like racial justice or, mm. you know, um, or, you know, earth care and stuff like that. 
but I find myself um, trying to bring the teachings of Jesus, not even Christianity, not, yeah. and you'll never hear me being like, you need to come to the altar and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and, and I tell people all the time, it's, and you'll hear in my sermons, I'm like, these, I, I guess, I, to try to put a thesis statement together would be, um, I'm trying to take the teachings of Jesus these stories that we see in the gospels or in the in the mm-hmm. um, epistles and stuff, and I'm trying to translate how uh, these these teachings can be for everyone, no matter if mm-hmm. you're religious or not. Right. Not in order to get points, you know, not not to get more Christians on the team, but right, just exactly. if, if it can help people, kind of thing. Then then it's there. Right. And you know, and I hate you know what was that acronym. You know, for the Bible, basic, basic instructions, instructions before leaving before Earth. leaving Earth. Yeah, I hated that, oh, I hate and that. I look at, I more look at the Bible, especially the New Testament, as a hodgepodge of stories that were written by people in their time. You know, in their context, not thinking they didn't when they wrote it, they didn't think, oh, this is you know going to be the a new religion, Torah. like <laughs> yeah, the new religion. But they were yeah. like, if this, they were probably thinking, if this can help other people somewhere down the road mm-hmm. then why not yeah. and i look when i preach i feel like that's how my sermons i want that what the, my sermons to help people and, mm-hmm. and like i don't care if someone if someone comes up to me and says hey this this sermon really touched me fantastic if someone's like well i didn't really like your sermon i'm not going to get hurt about it right but i just try to feel i just kind of like how I prepare my sermons is I'll like scroll through the scripture and, you know, and something will like literally pop out to me and I'll be like, Oh, that really gravitates towards me. Mm. So then I formulate my talk out of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, kind of like that's where it's at. And one of my talks that I did was, um, which is actually probably one of the most viewed, which is cool, um, was stop killing the, um, unarmed, unarmed black, black people. people. Mm-hmm. And and you even said it when you were editing. Like I got really, I get passionate in all my sermons because I can be pretty monotone when I talk <laughs> just you know to my wife or my friends. But when I really get like heated and passionate, you can hear my yeah, voice definitely. influx a lot. But I was really passionate about that because I mean the Twin Cities was you know on edge and stuff. So I usually try to stick to you know stories and stuff in the in the Bible. But obviously, there's going to be times that you know just cultural stuff or societal stuff just happens that you know you kind of got to do it and anybody will tell you i like there's certain pastors that will be like oh if there was like a shooting in your town you know what even if you had a sermon prepared or a talk prepared mm. you got to talk about right. what's on hand. and elephant in the room kind of thing yeah you hear comedians being like we're we're like sociologists like comedians will say that like Part mm-hmm. of a comedian's mm-hmm. job is to make fun of what's going on in society. Right. Kind of make it okay to talk about, you know? Right. And on the flip side, a pastor's a pastor's a lot like a sociologist where they have to look what's happening in society and around them in their community and be like, this is important. We need to talk about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And, it hel- and it helps that we have a, a, a more of an online congregation just like your guys' revolution too because maybe, I know we have some listeners overseas like in England and, mm-hmm. you know, they might not know everything and what's happening, but then they tune in whether live or, you know, on the on the podcast feed and then they can hear what's going on. So in a nutshell, I guess that's my thesis. I don't really have like a, 
obviously I incorporate Grace in there, but I really, uh, I would say I'm the love guy. Yeah. Um, if I had to, like, I try to make a lot of my sermons because I can't tell you how many f- Instagram posts or, or Instagram people that follow me that are, you know, deconstruction or agnostic yeah. or atheist. And it's like, I'm not an atheist. I, you know, I'm kind of more of a Christian agnostic. However, I look at it as I was like, man, if we can all just as humans learn how to love one another, Mm. we don't have to agree with one another. We don't have to go out for beers or whatever with people, but we just have to learn to love one another. Cause I think that's the greatest message in the Bible, you know, is, is love to love your neighbor as yourself. And really there's nothing more important than that. Jesus did like that message himself. (laughs) Yeah, that's why he talked about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have a distinct style of how you uh, prepare and give your your sermons, you know, compared to Jay. And it's cool that you have like the seminary training, but there's definitely no conflict in the messages that you're delivering versus the messages that, that Jay or even I will will deliver and um, your messages all are definitely very inclusive. People aren't familiar with the United Church of Christ is a very uh, progressive denomination as well. And uh, you're kind of orbiting that realm for a long time, which is really cool. And yeah, that Stop Killing Unarmed Black People talk that you gave, and that was a great talk. That one and another one that sticks out to me is the one that you gave. You weren't really asserting that there is no hell, but you were kind of explaining why you don't believe that there is a hell. And then you backed that up, you know, with a lot of scripture and stuff like that, which is super cool. I think it's cool when someone who's giving a sermon or a talk in a church setting or, you know, any kind of Christian based talk is able to give an opinion that is not popular in Christendom and then back it up with scripture. I think that's a really cool thing to do. It can be very challenging it's fine to believe something that conflicts with scripture. That's totally fine. But I think it's cool um, to say, you know, what? I'm going to see if I can back this up with Bible verses and sometimes even the verses that are used to defend an opposing opinion than the one that you're representing. Um, I think that's, that's a really cool thing to, to be able to do. Um, are there any other sermons that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll say a, a, another sermon that I really liked that unfortunately didn't get a get a lot of likes but um i'll I'll kind of preface it first where um first of all going through the ordination process it's the one thing what's helped me is i went through a more liberal progressive way of doing church wearing the robes Mm. the stoles you know the smells and bells if people can picture that um and then also evangelicalism because i was raised in the assemblies of god like jay was and i kind of was at the start of because that was what I was raised in, so that was what I was comfortable in, and I went to an Assemblies of God, you know, Bible college. That's where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned in a way to kind of what I found out about preaching. It's one of the first things that you do in your preaching classes is knowing who your audience is. And so how I, when I create a sermon, and especially for Revolution, and so when I create a, and I don't even call them sermons because i don't like that language it's just mm. that churchy language so i guess say talk so when i formulate like a talk for revolution it's way more different than how i would come up with one for a ucc church that i would preach at and it's way different than if i got asked to do something at an evangelical church right it's the same it's the same thing if like if i got asked to speak somewhere not even at a church but like at an event you know, the first question I would say was, what kind of church, what kind of denomination, right. what are the demographics, what are the people? Yeah. Because 
Because once you know that, like if I'm like, oh, the people I'm going to be talking to are predominantly white, upper middle class, um, 50 to 70. Well, my talk's going to be a lot different than yeah. if it's, I have more diverse crowd, a younger generation. Mm. And, and I mean, I think that's what people forget when they preach or they talk is forgetting who their demographic is or forgetting where that is because, you know, some of, some of your audience, um, might go over their heads. And so I know the people, you know, who tune into revolution, like if I curse, they're not going to care. That's fine. But I would never, I would never curse from the pulpit, even in the UCC, because Mm. even though the UCC is quite progressive, Mm. they still kind of frown from someone cursing from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. But yet when I'm at revolution, I'm sitting at a bar stool, either drinking a pop or, or for people listening, a soda or Coke, wherever you're listening (laughs) from. What's that pop? Pop is what we call soda in the <laughs> north. It's the only true way to say it. Mm-hmm. No, um, you even had a, a beer last Sunday. That was kind of cool. I never heard a sermon delivered in the pastor mentioning, oh, I got my beer here, hanging out. How yeah. y'all doing? <laughs> I usually I usually get a pop, but then I was like, you know, it was just me there. Yeah. Because um, Amanda was recovering from her second COVID shot. Oh, boy. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm going to treat myself yeah, um, to not? a beer. Yeah, one time I had a... I had a uh, Oh, yeah, I had a Bloody Mary one time at Revolution. That was kind of cool. I was like, hey, you know what? Why not? <laughs> well, it's funny because actually a couple of people um, who I work with have been coming in to, to uh, you know, listen because they're like, what? You you are, you are run a church? Like one right. of my coworkers who mm-hmm. I've known for like four years, he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, he's like, what are you doing this week? And, of course, I was telling him, and I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm a pastor at a church. He's like, oh, where? I'm like, Brian Lake Bowl. He's like, what? I've been to that you know, right, bar, yeah, restaurant. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we meet at a church, you know, I run a church out of there and he's like, what? And it was always just kind of this, you know, fun thing, how that happens. Anyway, getting more to your question, uh, a sermon that I really liked that, um, was really philosophical, um, was a sermon called we're all atheists. Mm, yeah, that was a good and one. Y- you know, me, I'm, you know, I'm very theological, but I'm also really into philosophy yeah. too bad. I don't have a best friend like Pete Rollins, <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, my, my, as people know, if they've heard me talk about my friend Scotty a lot, yeah. he's, 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 he's my Pete yeah, that's your, I was going to say, yeah, that's to my Jay. Yeah. You got Curtis as, is your Caleb and Scotty is your, your, uh, Pete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I was, I forget what I was reading that made me want to talk about that. Um, oh, I think it was actually talking to a mutual friend, a friend of mine from seminary mm. and we were talking about you know, Christianity as a construct, we were talking about our, just our views on God and gods and religions mm. and, and stuff like that. And I just, this thought popped into my head was, um, and maybe it wasn't really popular because I preached it on um, Palm Sunday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoops. Um, guess I didn't know my audience that week. Mm-hmm, no, but mm-hmm. it, it was more saying that... Um, Every everyone in a way is an atheist, small a, because a small a, like lowercase a, is a lot different than saying a capital A atheism. Capital A atheism means not only do you not believe in the God of Christianity, but you don't believe in any gods of any religion or any whatever. And I was like, there's so many people that I hear within, I'm not going to say it, it's a movement, but within deconstruction, that's like, okay, I'm an a- I'm an atheist now. And mm, they're, mm-hmm. they're, in my opinion, and this might ruffle some feathers, but a lot of these people are saying, like, I'm a capital A atheist, there is no God. 
And the way I look at it is, and what I was trying to say in my message or talk was, I think we're all atheists, small case A, because we've all, during this deconstruction, have punted away, deconstructed, you know, thrown in the garbage, these toxic, horrible views of God or Jesus that need to. And so I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm an atheist in a small a. Right. There's a version of God. Yeah. Cause this version or this construct of God that you were shown and I was shown is not real, is dead, should be, you know, out, out of your head, out of your, you know, mental space. Mm. But I feel like a version of Jesus and God that I hope I, I can talk to people about that. I really do feel like is in the new Testament that is, I think, a, a a Jesus and a God that is, it, in my opinion, is real. Yeah. So, and I actually got a couple of people reaching out to me a private message that, and they were atheists, and mm. they were like, "Oh, welcome to the atheist crowd." And I'm like, <laughs> "Did you listen to my talk? Did you, <laughs> you know?" But it, it's kind of morphed into really cool conversations, like total, like some of these people who are atheists, and you hear their story. And actually, I'm not going to say who, but one of these conversations has turned into. Um, this individual is going to be on the podcast oh, and we're cool. just going to kind of talk, talk through with her about all this stuff. So that's really cool. For Sacred Collective, right? Yeah. For yeah. Sacred Collective. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was going to kind of be funny and be like, I'm going to, I talk about whatever the spirit leads me to. I'm not going <laughs> to say that, but, uh, seminary, and I will say, uh, seminary has trained me in a, a lot of ways at how to come up with sermons, how to formulate yeah. it. So I'm not just like, it doesn't take me eight, nine, 10, 12 hours to come up with a sermon. It might take me an hour, two hours to come up with a sermon. Right. And that's not like a pat on my back. It's just because I've been trained uh-huh. more than a lot of people. Um, so yeah, when, you know, kind of formulating the nuts and bolts of a sermon, it's just, I kind of say, oh, this is what's on my heart. That's what's on my mind. And you kind of go from there, you know? Totally. That's great, man. Yeah. And you know what? That's another, um, what you just mentioned when you were talking about your, that talk, uh, We're All Atheists. What was the title of it? Yeah, We're All Atheists. We're All Atheists. If, so people are, are curious about that to listen to it. Um, but that's definitely something that ever since I've known you, that's definitely been something that, that I've heard you say multiple times. And uh, especially during sacred collective meetings and stuff like that was that like, would you agree that this is true that you feel like it's important for people to specify what God they don't believe in when they're being assertive about like, you know, I don't believe in that. That is important for them to, at least for themselves to be able to kind of sort through and specify what traits of that God either turn them off to it or that they reject kind of thing. Yeah. I And it's hard to, it's a fine line. Cause if it's someone that I'm close to or I know, I'm not going to go up to like a complete stranger. Cause I don't want to be an asshole. Yeah. Um, to those people, but you know, I think people forget. And no matter who you are, words have power. Mm. Words have meaning. Mm-hmm. And so, when someone, because how many times have we heard conservative pastor, evangelical people, were like, I know mm. that Jesus did this, or I know the Bible says mm-hmm. this, and when they use statements like "I know" or whatever, that has power because they're saying without a doubt. I know that this happened mm. and it's like, do you know? And, and partly it was because my master's was in Christian thought. So I took a lot of 
logic classes. I took a lot of epistemology, which is the study of knowledge, which goes all the way back to like early philosophers, Mm. you know, back in Athens would, you know, Plato's and Socrates, they all talked about epistemology. And so when someone's like, oh, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in any of that stuff. It's kind of like the first thing that goes off in my head is what God don't you believe in? Yeah, right. Um, Do you not believe in the Norwegian mythological gods? Right. Um, do you not believe in uh, Buddha? Do you not believe in Allah? Do you not believe in Jesus Christ? Uh. So you have to specify it, it, when we get in that conversation what you don't believe in. Right. Because if someone's just like, yeah, I don't believe in God, and then you hear their story and they were like, well, I had all this religious trauma, which is very real, and I never, mm-hmm. you hear me talk about like, if you have trauma and you want to quit religion and faith. I'm all for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that path. But it, what kind of goes off in my head is that it's a very, that's a very powerful statement. If right. someone's like, "Oh, I don't believe in God," in the kind of in my head is like what I would say to the Christian who says, "You know that there is a God." I kind of the onus is on you and say, "Well, prove mm. it." Like prove that to a Christian, I would say, "Prove that there is a God." To an atheist, I would say, prove to me that there is no God. Mm, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's really provable or, un, you know, sure. provable that there mm-hmm. is a God or provable that there is no God. That's a faith. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, and that's, that's not just on like atheism. That's on a lot of things. If someone's like, oh, well, they'll, somebody might get on their high horse and be like, Brian, this, 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 and this. And I'll be like, okay, that's a very powerful statement. Those words are very powerful. Right. Now back that up. Yeah. Prove it. And that goes back to my preaching, like you said, the one on hell, like, it's cool that I use sermon, or that I use scripture. Well, guess what? If I'm going to say something from a pulpit or from a bar stool, I need to back it up, or yeah. else I think a lot of what I say is just hot air coming from my ass. Good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Anyone can just be like, oh, yeah, hell doesn't make sense to me, or like, this doesn't sit right with me. But if you're going to say it from a pulpit as a pastor, it's kind of expected or even required that you uh, back it up with scripture, right? Right. Because of the format, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just, uh, you probably pretty much took the words out of my mouth, so I'll oh. just, I'll leave it at that. Right on, man. Cool. Do you want to talk about the project that you and Curtis have brewing? Yeah, we kind of have a couple projects brewing. One project that we want to, uh, not a cat out of the bag yet, but a little bit, um, now that things are opening up more, um, especially in Minnesota and in the cities, and and I've said this before, I'm I'm probably one of the only people that is a part of revolution. Um, whether when you and Jay were here, even Curtis and Rachel and some of them, they're all all you guys aren't lifelong Minnesotans like me. Right. Um. So I do have a more of a connection to the city and to the state than other people. Mm-hmm. Um. And and one thing too is a lot, a lot of people don't know is um i was uh in a band back in high school we weren't a very good band but that let me that let me get into a lot of music circles uh-huh. and so one thing and curtis um used to be in a band as oh, yeah. well he's a great singer yeah he and i were have worked on a few musical collaborations too yes you have it's very good dirt doctrine was, was one of them yeah um and a lot and i will say a lot of times on sacred collective your music is the music that you hear at the beginning mm. and at the end Thank so you for the little plug there yeah, no problem. Look, l- listen to them. Listen to Caleb and Curtis's Dirt Doctrine band. Anyway, so um, one thing that we're trying to do 
this probably wouldn't be till summer, if not fall, when things fully open. Uh-huh. Is we wanna and we wanna see if we can have it at Bryant Lake Bowl. So it wouldn't be huge just mm. because the theater isn't that big. We want to try to have like a concert of having some local, having some local bands come in. Cause I know, I know off the top of my head, at least two or three bands that would probably be interested. I know a, a rapper, an up and coming rapper who's getting pretty popular and just, I'm a kind of person, you know me, I'm super extroverted. Um, I have no problem networking with people yeah. um, mm-hmm. and trying to network with people. So that's one thing that we're cool. trying to do. Um, what a great idea. That's awesome. And we might have a guest speaker coming in in the summer because Scotty's going to be come visiting. And I'm sure he would want to be done with preaching. But how cool could that be a feather in your cap saying, hey, I, you know, I preached at a bar. <laughs> so that that's maybe in the works. And um, yeah, just some, you know, I eventually want like maybe even like a conference to happen that's connected with revolution, just getting some, some speakers. Um, that's all kind of stuck up in my head still, but the first thing that we would probably do would be, uh, uh, like a concert and we would obviously pay, uh, we would talk with, uh, with Bryant Lake Bowl and the bands to say, let's set a price point right. at, you know, how much money we're going to charge. What's the capacity that we can have? And then we'll break it down like, you guys get this cut, you guys get this cut, we'll get this cut. Nice. So that's something that we're working on. Um, I love that. Here, here for the fall. And then, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of good things are coming, um, with our minimal budget. Awesome, man. And, and a lot of what people don't know is I'm doing this out of my own pocketbook. I mean, mm. yes, we get some donations from people who come, which is great, but, I'm not getting paid money to do this or whatever. Right. And to me, it's not about the money. I have a day job, you know, 40 hour a week job, but I, I do it just cause, um, I love what revolution stands for, like what you and Jay have done to, with revolution. And I just really didn't want this interpretation of it or iteration of it to just go by the wayside. Cause you guys laid the groundwork for so many good things to happen. And I just didn't want, I didn't want that to, to go away. Yeah, absolutely, man. We should definitely remind people of some plugs. They can check out Revolution Church Minneapolis on Facebook. They can find your Sunday talks. I would encourage people to try and watch them live, especially if you're already a Revolution listener. You can check out Brian's talks, and then because of the time zone difference, two hours later, uh, you can tune in to Revolution Church Seattle. Is the Facebook actual, is the URL, isn't it facebook.com slash... Revolution Church Minneapolis spelled out or is it MPLS? For Facebook? Yeah. It's the whole thing spelled out okay, Minneapolis. Great. But on Instagram, if you find us on Instagram, it's at Revolution Church MPLS. MPLS, got it. Which is the short, shorter version of Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I will say there are several people who who do watch both that mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. that there's different overlap. I actually have a lot of people that don't watch yours that watch Mm. ours which is cool yeah it's cool um it's it's that and i and people also have to realize jay's been doing this for almost 30 years Mm. i've been doing this for like six seven months so (sighs) it's it's in its infancy if you look at it that way so we just we just and jay was gracious enough before he moved me and him had a couple meetings to let me have the name all the stuff like and i want to tell people too that we're completely autonomous we're completely separate you know mm-hmm. any money that is donated to 
revolution goes to revolution to you guys. Any money that's donated to us goes to us. So right. if people are like, how does this stuff work out? We don't know. It's kind of a little behind the curtain there. Of, mm-hmm. We're completely autonomous. Jay says we can keep the name or change the name. Um, just kind of handing the keys over to me to, to, to do what I'm doing. Right. So which tip to my cap to, to Jay for doing that. Um, Cause that's, he didn't have to. And mm-hmm. so kudos to, Kudos to him for that. Nice, yeah. And you all do still have like a, a Q and A as it were, like an afterglow. I don't know if you call it afterglow or not, but but after the services, uh, people are encouraged to interact and you know ask questions or push back or give feedback or whatever it is, which is super cool. Yeah, we don't really call it the afterglow. Um, um, it's more of I label it at the bottom, like of my talks like pushbacks comments mm-hmm. thoughts and afterglow is like a cheeky term anyway we only use that at revolution seattle like a little bit like sarcastic kind of tongue-in-cheek right and i kind of like it because how many of us who've grown up in the church and we've heard like a really good sermon or a good talk and we just have we wrote down notes but we we can't ask anybody or yeah. can't talk about it and so i was kind of influenced by what you guys have done and kind of like before we started um, doing the live version, you know, at Bryant Lake Bowl, I kind of asked our transition team, I'm like, should we keep this? Do we right. like it? And they're like, yeah, like, let's keep doing it. So, yeah, so there, there are similarities, you know, and there are differences for sure. And that's really cool. And you and I have, recently we were talking about how it's just kind of exciting to me to think about how you all kind of sprang from like what Jay was initially doing. And then I kind of got involved in my flavor, got kind of mixed in there a little bit. And it's just exciting to me to speculate about and to kind of wait and see how things are going to change and develop and how you all are going to evolve, you know, to kind of reflect the community and the people that you attract and just be a reflection of the personality of the congregation and yourself and your family and stuff. And uh, the way that you see things and your, you know, like your, your seminary training and stuff like that, it's just really exciting to me, um, not only because you're a very dear friend, but also it's just fun to kind of watch how things grow and develop over time. And, you know, even if, like you said, you're not 100% sure if it's going to stay how it is, or even you might even lose the name revolution. Like, who knows? Right. You can decide whatever you want. And it's just really cool to see something grow out of something familiar, but then have its own personality, have its own flavor. And that's one of the reasons, honestly, this is, uh, I don't even like using the word ministry. It's just life. It's, mm. it's, I, I, I tell people my passion and my obsession is showing people really the the teachings of Jesus. I don't care if people are like, people might be like, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't believe in this part of the Bible. I, I'm fine with that. I'm like, high five, way to go. I just want to show people like, there was this rabbi, there was this crazy teacher named Jesus whose teachings were so revolutionary for his time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was literally murdered by religious people and by a government for um for his views and i want to be like that to me is transformative that's transcendent that goes through time and that's why people have been talking about it for two thousand years i think it's and it's never i i never want to tell people like oh you need to believe in jesus uh, or because there's people even in our congregation who are like yeah i'm more agnostic and atheistic and i'm like that is a, a, a wonderful thing about revolution so you have me up front and I'll be transparent just like Jay is like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I might, I'm, I'll might be talking about Jesus, but I'm having a hard time understanding Jesus right now. And I feel like a, a, a place like revolution, both of our revolutions and maybe other 
you know, there's a, a hodgepodge of different ministries like this all around the world. But I feel one reason why I walked away more from ordination in both of these denominations that I was a part of is you don't get to have that transparency. You don't get to have that openness yeah. where you can't go from the pulpit and say, hey, you know what, I'm feeling kind of agnostic today or atheistic or, you know, I just got in a fight with my spouse or my partner and I'm really not in a good headspace, so let's just talk. Like, you can't do that right. in, in other places, but at Revolution, you can and we can all come in and there might be a time, I don't know, there might be a time where I'm ready to, to go live, no one's there, and I might just shut it off if there's one or two other people there. And I'm like, hey, let's just have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I think was awesome about Revolution is having the opportunity um, to do that. I will say this, mm. and I can wrap up, but I can remember, and I think we talked about this for back when Jay used to live here in Minneapolis when we interviewed him a long time ago, I think the first time for Sacred Collective, mm -hmm. is I remember the first time I heard him speak, I was 18, and I remember showing Jay my like first tattoo that I got. <laughs> it kind of being like, look at it, it's cool. But Jay kind of, and, and I followed, I followed Jay now for 20 years. Right. Dating myself um, for 20 years of, of stuff that he's done. But I think the one thing I remember saying to myself, probably at somewhere between 18 to 21 years old, is I went to my mom and my dad and I said, one day... I'm going to be doing a revolution in Minnesota. You said that? Yeah. How weird. Wow, it's wild. And I kind of laugh. I'm either like, God has a sense of humor, I wasn't truthful on myself, or the universe just works in funky ways. <laughs> but I look at all these years later as almost a 40-year-old, and I'm like, well, hey, I'm actually doing it now. And maybe, wow. maybe, maybe doing ministries or having community like this is... Great. And I've actually told Amanda, who I will say shout out to Amanda. She was running the computer every day mm, or every yeah. Sunday. She's the one scrolling with the notes. If you see her books, books that I'm talking about or people, she's the one going on the internet finding that. So kudos to her for doing that. Um, so I, I, well, what I was telling her is that I don't even know if I can even really walk into churches anymore. Mm. Like, a Catholic church or a, some is a God church or a Baptist church or even a UCC church without kind of getting the heebie-jeebies. Cause I feel like this isn't to me what community is about. Community is like a place like revolution yeah, um, or a place like sacred collective. And, and I think that um, maybe that's just where my passions lie. Absolutely. Totally. It's awesome to see people who are doing important and distinctive different work and especially when you can tell their hearts in it and you can definitely tell that with all the talks that you give and all the podcasts that we make together buddy yes and people should also check those out check out sacred collective um if you're not familiar with that if you hate me and brian then don't listen to sacred collective because there's a lot yeah. of us on there awesome man well i think that's a good place to wrap her up and i know it's getting late for you there too um, yes. So, so thank you for your time, man. And uh, I, that sounds so formal, <laughs> but uh, I love you a lot, man. And uh, I'm glad that we we're able to do this. I love you too, man. Um, yeah, I miss your face. I miss you too. I know you guys had to go out there for a reason, but um, our family's sad that uh, we can't see you. And I don't even, I don't even mind, Caleb. 
I didn't even mind all the times that I had to drive out to get you um, <laughs> because it was only like 20 minutes away. Now it's halfway across oh. the country. Now it's so. like, yeah, it's literally a 24-hour drive. It's such a bummer, man. Yeah. I miss you a lot, yeah, dude. But I really miss you. I mean, I love you maybe, a lot. Maybe one day you'll come back. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows? You know, two years before I moved to Minneapolis, I would have never guessed. I would be like, what are you talking about? And then in Minneapolis... Two years before I moved to Seattle, I, I would be like, why in the hell would I ever move to Seattle? Yeah. But you never know, man. Never know. And I'm sure that we'll find excuses to visit each other soon enough. But, uh, you know, things are obviously very tricky right now. But the world will stabilize maybe into something that looks totally different than it did before. But, um, yeah, we'll find excuses. All right. Thanks, Caleb. It was a blast. And thank you for bringing to light Revolution Church Minneapolis more. It's, it's always good that you and Jay will let me do that. So thank you. Of course, man. Of course. Anytime. All right, man. Love you, dude. Talk soon. Love you too, man. Bye. All right, see you, man. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.